Chapter Four of Grace Harlowe's Sophomore Year at High School. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Christine Blashford. Grace Harlowe's Sophomore Year at High School by Jesse Graham Flower. Chapter Four: An Unfortunate Aviator. It was an unusual entertainment that David had provided for his little circle of intimate friends in the old orchard surrounding the omnibus house. There was a look of intense excitement in his eyes as he stood awaiting his guests the following afternoon. Mrs. Gray had already arrived, and leaving her carriage to wait for her near the entrance, now stood by David and helped him receive. "'It's good to see all my children together again,' she exclaimed, giving Anne a gentle hug, for ever since her Christmas house-party she had acquired a sort of proprietary feeling towards these young people. "'I only wish Tom Gray were to be with us today. I should like him to have a share in the surprise, for you may be sure there is to be a surprise. David would never have asked us to this lonely place for nothing.' "'David is a good old reliable Mrs. Gray,' cried Hippy. "'Certainly if I had imagined for a moment that he would disappoint us, I never should have dragged my slight frame all this distance.' "'Good loyal old Hippy,' replied David. "'The surprise is ready, but even if it had not been, there is no excuse so beneficial to stout people as walking.' "'Well, bring it on, bring it on,' exclaimed Reddy. "'We are waiting patiently.' "'Curb your impatience, Sorrel Top,' said David. "'Just follow me and see what I have to show you.' They helped little Mrs. Gray, who was nimble in spite of her years, through a broken gap in the wall of the omnibus house. The old ruin was more picturesque than ever in its cloak of five-leafed ivy, which the autumn had touched with red and gold. A lean-to had been built against the back wall of the building, fitted with a stout door on the inside and a pair of doors on the outside. "'I rented this plot of land from the farmer who owns the orchard,' explained David, taking a key from his pocket and opening the door in a stone wall. "'This was about the best place I could think of for experiments, partly because it's such a lonesome place, and partly because there is a clear open space of several hundred yards back here without a tree or bush on it.' It was dark inside until he had opened the double doors in the opposite wall, when the slanting light showed them an aeroplane, not a little gymnasium model this time, but a full-fledged flying machine, a trim and graceful object, even at close view. "'David!' cried Anne joyously. "'You don't mean to say you've gone and done it at last?' "'I have,' answered David gravely, "'and I've made two trips with pretty good success each time.' Then everyone talked at once. David was the hero of the hour." "'David, my dear boy,' cried Mrs. Gray, "'to think that I should live to see you an aviator.' "'I'm a long way from being one yet, Mrs. Gray,' answered David. "'My bird doesn't always care to fly. "'There are times when she'd rather stay in her nest with her wings folded. "'Of course, I haven't nearly perfected her yet, "'so I don't want it mentioned in town until I get things in shape. "'But I couldn't wait until then to show it to you, my dear friends, "'because you were all interested in it last year.' "'Well, well, come on and fly,' cried Hippy. "'My heart is palpitating so with excitement "'that I am afraid it will beat once too often "'if something doesn't happen.' "'I was waiting for my helper,' answered David, "'but he appears to be late. "'You boys will do as well.' "'Who is your helper, David?' asked Anne. "'You could never guess,' he replied, smiling, "'so I'll have to tell you. "'It's old Jean the hunter.' "'Why, the dear old thing!' cried Grace. "'To think of him leaving his uncivilized state "'to do anything so utterly civilized and modern "'as to help with a flying machine.' "'And he does it well, too,' went on David. "'He is not only thoroughly interested, but he keeps guard out here in case anyone should try to break in. There are his cot and things in the corner. He sleeps in the open unless it rains, then he sleeps inside.' As the old hunter did not put in an appearance, David decided to wait no longer. "'Why can't we all help?' asked Grace. "'What must we do? Please tell us.' "'All right,' answered David. "'Just give it a shove into the open space, and you'll see how she gradually rises for a flight.' After making a careful examination of all the parts of the aeroplane and starting the engine, David took his seat in the machine. 
Then the two boys, assisted by Grace and Nora, pushed it swiftly out into the broad open space back of the ruin. Suddenly the machine began to rise, slowly at first, then seeming to gather strength and confidence like a young bird that has learned to fly at last, it soared over the apple trees. David, white but very calm, quietly worked the levers that operated the little engine. When he had risen about a hundred feet, he began to dip and soar around the orchard in circles. He appeared to have forgotten his friends watching anxiously below. He did not notice that little Mrs. Gray's knees had suddenly refused to support her, nor that she had sat flat on the ground in a state of utter bewilderment at the sight of his sudden flight. David looked far across at the beautiful rolling meadows and fields dotted with farmhouses and cottages. How he loved the fertile valley, with its little river winding in and out between green banks. It was all so beautiful, but it was time to descend. He must not give his pet too much liberty, or he might rue his indiscretion. He headed his machine for the open space back of the omnibus house and began the descent. Then something snapped and he fell. He remembered as he fell the look of horror on the upraised faces of his friends and then everything became a blank. It all happened in a flash, much too quickly to do anything but stand and wait until the aeroplane had crashed to the ground, but it seemed much longer, and Anne remembered later that she had felt a curious impulse to run away and hide. If David were to meet his death through this new toy, she could not endure to stay and see it happen. But David was far from dead. He was only stunned and dizzy from the swift descent. He had not been high enough from the ground when the accident occurred to sustain serious injuries. They lifted him from the machine and laid him upon the grass, while Reddy ran to the brook and brought back his cap filled with water. Mrs. Gray produced her smelling salts, which she always carried with her. "'Not for my own use, my dears,' she always said, "'but for the benefit of other people.' Reddy loosened David's collar and dashed the water into his face, while Hippy chafed the unconscious boy's wrists." Presently, David opened his eyes, looking vaguely about. He had a confused idea that something had happened to him, but just what it was, he could not think. He looked up into the anxious faces of his friends who stood around him. Then he remembered. "'I'm not hurt,' he said in a rather weak voice. Then he sat up and smiled feebly at the company. "'I just had the wind knocked out of me. I am sure no bones are broken. How about my pet bird? Has she smashed her little ribs?' "'No, old fellow,' exclaimed Hippy in a reassuring tone, for Hippy had never been able to endure the sight of suffering or disappointment. "'Her wings are a good deal battered, that's all. But are you all right, old man?' he added, feeling David's arms and legs, and even putting an ear over his heart. "'It's still beating, you foolish old fathead,' said David, patting his friend affectionately on the back. In the meantime, Anne had helped Mrs. Gray to her feet. "'I declare I feel as though I had dropped from the clouds myself,' said the old lady, wiping her eyes. "'I am so stunned and bewildered.' "'David, my dear boy, if you had been seriously hurt, I should never have forgiven myself for allowing you to fly off like that. What would your poor mother say if she knew what had happened?' "'It won't be necessary to break the news to her, Mrs. Gray,' said David. "'I shall be as good as new inside of a few minutes. It's my poor little bird here who has received the injuries. Look at her poor battered wings. I think I know just what caused my sudden descent, though, and I'll take care it doesn't happen again.' David then began a minute examination of his damaged pet, and soon located the trouble. His friends listened, deeply interested, as he explained the principles of aviation, and showed them how he had carried out his own ideas in constructing his aeroplane. Grace, who had a taste for mechanics, asked all sorts of questions, until Hippy asked if she intended building an aeroplane of her own. "'I may,' replied Grace, laughing. "'You know that girls have as much chance at the big things of the world today as boys.' "'Well, if you do, let me know,' responded Hippy, "'and I'll write an epic poem about you "'that will make the world sit up and take notice.' "'Then I am assured of fame beforehand,' laughed Grace. "'Look,' said Nora suddenly, "'who are those people coming across the orchard? "'Doesn't that look like Julia Crosby and some of her crowd?' "'Yes,' exclaimed Grace, "'it is, and Miriam is with them.' "'Then help me get my aeroplane into the shed quickly,' exclaimed David. "'You know that the Crosby girl is not a favourite with me.' 
Then he added half to himself, I don't see why Miriam insists on going around with her so much. The boys lost no time in getting the aeroplane into the house. David slammed the doors and triumphantly turned the key in the lock just as Miriam and her party came up. With a quick glance, Miriam's eyes took in the situation. She bowed courteously to Mrs. Gray, whom she dared not slight, included Grace, Nora, and Jessica in a cool little nod, and stared straight past Anne. Then turning to her brother, she said, "'David, show Miss Crosby and her friends your aeroplane. They wish to see it.' A look of grim determination settled about David's mouth. Looking his sister squarely in the face, he said, "'I am sorry to seem disobliging, but I cannot show your friends my aeroplane, and I am surprised to find that they know I have one.' miriam reddened at this but said insolently if you can invite other people to see it you can show it to us there was an uncomfortable silence mrs gray looked surprised and annoyed the peaceful old lady disliked scenes of any kind grace and her chums knowing that miriam was only making herself ridiculous felt embarrassed for her then julia crosby laughed in her tantalizing irritating way that settled the matter as far as david was concerned "'You are right,' he said. "'I could show my flying machine to you and your friends if I cared to do so. However, I don't care to. Knowing that I wished my experiment to be kept a secret, you came here with the one idea of being disagreeable, and you have succeeded. I am sorry to be so rude to my own sister, but occasionally the brutal truth is a good thing for you to hear, Miriam.' Miriam was speechless with anger, but before she could frame a reply, Mrs. Gray said soothingly, "'Children, children, don't quarrel. David, it is getting late. We had better go. I suppose it is of no use to ask any of you athletic young folks to ride back to town.' With a little bow to Miriam and her discomfited party, Mrs. Gray turned toward where her carriage awaited her, followed by David and his friends. After bidding her good-bye, the young people took the road to town. For David's sake, all mention of the recent unpleasantness was tacitly avoided, though it was uppermost in each one's mind. "'I have one thing to be thankful for,' said Grace to Anne, as she turned in at her own gate, "'and that is that Miriam Nesbit isn't my sister.' As for Miriam, her feelings can be better imagined than described. She sulked and pouted the whole way home, vowing to get even with David for daring to cross her. Julia Crosby grew rather tired of Miriam's tirade, and left her with the parting advice that she had better forget it. When Miriam reached home, she immediately asked if David had come in. Receiving an affirmative reply, she went from room to room looking for him, and finally found him in the library. He was busy with a book on aviation. She snatched the book from him, threw it across the room, and expressed her opinion of himself and his friends in very plain terms. Without a word, David picked up his book and walked out of the library, leaving her in full possession of the field. End of chapter 4